Welcome to the Compete Every Day podcast, a weekly show to help you harness the power of competition to be better than yesterday. Hear each week from performance leaders, coaches, and experts on the benefits of competition and how you can use it to win at work and in life. And now, your host, Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day, Jake Thompson. That's right, competitors. We are back, and it's a brand new episode of the Compete Every Day podcast. How's your week going? It's Tuesday. Maybe it's Wednesday or Thursday when you're listening to the show, but we are live on a Tuesday, which means we are a day and a half into the week, and I hope you are doing the things you need to do. I hope you are competing and taking action every day. Too often, we get caught in the idea that a risk is too risky for us, when in all reality, not doing anything, not taking a risk is the biggest risk of all. Because you see, when you get to the end of your life, the last thing you want to do is ask, what if I'd tried? What if I'd taken that step? What if I'd done something? And so this week, if, if you've been in that hesitation mode, if you've been afraid of that risk, afraid of taking that opportunity, I want you to compete. That's right. I want you to step out and try something new. What you've done to this point has not worked. It's time to start competing. It's time to start taking action. And if you're one of those competitors who is just getting after each and every day, doing what you can to be better than yesterday, that's right. I am clapping for you and I want you to keep doing it. I want to encourage you to keep going forward, pushing through. Things will become difficult. Things are not easy in life. But it's only competitors who find a way to push through them and eventually succeed. So do that. Be a competitor, intent and committed to being better than yesterday. I'm excited about this brand new episode because I get to welcome University of Vermont head women's soccer coach, Christy Heisinger, to the show. Christy and I have been connected on Twitter for, man, a couple of years now, and I love everything that she is about. Christy inherited a program that was 7-42-4 over the previous three seasons as a 26-year-old first-time head soccer coach. Over the last six seasons, she has instilled in her players a sense of competition, the importance of competing every day. And for the first time ever this past season, their team made it to the America East Championship game and was the second time in league history to do it as a number six seed. She took a program that was content with losing and has built a school of competitors who are now pursuing victory. Coach talks about how she does that, how she's able to work with college athletes to embrace competition, what their off-season programs look like, what their summers look like, what their in-season look like, and understanding that competition does so much more than success on the field. Christy understands that how that competition, how she coaches these players to embrace competition helps them for the rest of their life. And you're going to learn how she does that and how you can apply that same mindset, those same activities to your life to further embrace competition and continue your pursuit of being better than yesterday. Before we kick things off with Christy, I just want to remind you that if you want to get in touch with the show, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Follow us online. You can find us at podcast.competeeveryday.com. We are on Instagram as Compete Podcast. 
And as always, you can find the Compete Everyday team all on social media at Compete Everyday. Now, let's dive into the show. Let's welcome head women's soccer coach of the University of Vermont, Christy Heisinger. Coach, thank you so incredibly much for joining the show today. How are you this morning? I'm great, Jake. Thanks so much for having me. I'm pumped. Oh, this is going to be fun. So uh, give everyone just a brief overview of who you are as head coach, and then we'll dive into talking about one of our favorite subjects. Sure. Um, well, my name is Christy Heisinger, uh, formerly Christy Fave. Um, I'm the head coach at UVM for women's soccer. Um, a little bit of my background, I am a Vermonter, so I'm back in my home state, but I, I grew up playing here. Um, played on the youth national teams growing up, played a little bit of pro after college, um, and then just dove right into coaching um, and found myself back here at UVM. I went to the University of Connecticut, so I I played my school ball at UConn. Awesome, and and a very successful, uh, storied uh, career you had in college as you guys got to play in a championship game and and you had quite the career there. And, and so what, let me first ask, what led you into wanting to coach? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I knew when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to be a coach already. Um, I actually was starting in on my coaching licenses already. Um, UConn during my sophomore year miraculously came up with this coaching major. Uh, so I was really fortunate to be able to actually study that in school um, and I, you know, I didn't know, I just knew, I think I, I see it too, uh, recruiting players and with my players here in college, a lot of times they know they just love sports so much and they want to continue to be around it. Um, and they're just not sure what else is out there. You know, I think I started off before they had the coaching as, uh, like an athletic training major. And I think my advisor at the time was like, are you sure you want to do that? You know? And, um, but yeah, I, I knew early on, uh, that I wanted to be a coach. I had so many good ones growing up and it just seemed fun. That's awesome. And and so what I love a lot about your story is the fact that you were 26 when you started uh, at UVM as a, as a head coach, you were what the youngest or one of the youngest coaches in college sports at that time. Uh, And and I found a quote on ESPN that one of the players talked about uh, the importance of what you brought, but that you brought, intensity and competitiveness and a mentality to their program. Uh, and this is in the first year that, that they hadn't had. Uh, what was it like getting to go into somewhere that, you know, as as a player, it, it wasn't at the caliber that UConn was and where you went to play college ball, uh, but that you had the opportunity to step into a role really young uh, and make an impact and imprint on your home? Yeah, that's a great question. It it was hard. I mean, we had some hard, you know, we had some hard years uh, right in the beginning and, um, you know, real credit to the players here. Um, I inherited uh, a group of players that would, they would run through a brick wall um, and they were just starving for coaching, um, starving to be pushed um, and you know, I, just being fresh out of it, having gone through the, you know, the programs that I had, I just, you know, I think I was ready to push them as well. 
So there was definitely a lot of tears <laughs> at times, um, but a lot of growth on their end. And, uh, you know, we were able to, you know, achieve something with that group that I think they probably never thought was possible. Um, and frankly, a lot of it was just, you know, soccer, there's the X's and O's of the game, but which is, you know, a whole separate animal, but without the competitiveness, that stuff doesn't matter. And so, it was funny, you know, when I first took over, I'm thinking like, all right, we're going to run these awesome plays. We're going to look awesome. We're going to keep the ball moving. And then, you know, a few, few weeks into it, I'm like, oh God, we just have to compete. Like we just have to teach this group what it means to compete. So we kind of had to scrap everything, go back to the drawing board and all Jake, all of our practices were designed around competition. Um, and that sort of became like the staple of this program. And, just really became like a, an expectation rather than something you pat yourself on the back for. Um, and that's, you know, that's right now it's a staple of who we are. I love that because you went from inheriting a program that was seven forty two and four to this previous year, 2017 doing something that I don't believe has only been done one other time in terms of making the title game as a six seed. And it was your school's first appearance uh, in your conference championship game, the America East championship game. So obviously that culture of competitiveness pays off. Uh, talk yeah. to me a little bit when you stepped into that, how you were able to turn those practices, those trainings, those workouts into more of a competitive atmosphere in a way that pushed your players uh, but perhaps also created a better community and culture in that you, you didn't alienate the players, but you brought them closer together by teaching them how to compete. Yeah. That, and that's an amazing question because I think a lot of times, you know, when we see programs turning around, um, does it turn around quickly and then disappear or does it turn around for the, for the long run and, and does it stay? Um, and from day one, uh, my goal was to, okay, how quickly can we turn it around, but how can we instill things that are built to last? Um, and that in itself is, is a bigger challenge because there's for sure things that you can do to like get that quick success. Um, but at what cost? And so, um, for me, the biggest thing I've, I've learned is that, you know, not learn, it's, not, it's something I knew, but like, these are people, these are college athletes in a very transitional, transformative time in their lives. Um, and, and these are people, you know, so as much as you want to win, as much as you want to see execution on the field with something you've trained for, these are humans <laughs> and they're, and they're people and they've got other things going on in their lives besides, this moment of soccer that's, that's happening, whether they're failing or succeeding. So I, I think to answer your question, really investing in our team culture and the people individually and thinking about like how they tick individually as people, you know, not everyone's the same. And, and that's one thing we don't want a team of robots, um, that all do the same thing. And, um, you know, I, I'm fortunate to have a, I have a great relationship with my husband, um, and he's been a detective, he's a police officer. He's like really locked into just how, you know, psyche and, and how people tick. And, um, he's really kind of pushed me to evolve in that way too. So we spend a lot of time, um, individually with athletes, like breaking down individual sessions, breaking down games. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces that happen with competition. So it's players taking play other players spots, 
um, players moving in and out of lineups. And, and I'm not doing my job as a coach if I'm not pushing, you know, number 24 on the roster to get to number one, but then also pushing number one to evolve too. So that can be a really tricky balance. That That is, and, and especially I think at the – you know, each level of the game, there's so many different factors that come into play. I mean, the professional, you're you're thinking money and contracts, and and there's different things at stake than in college when you've got classes and incoming freshmen. It's a whole wake up call for a lot of them versus you know kids in high school and the things that they're dealing with and and battling with from a mindset standpoint, um, but especially from a, a competitive standpoint like you said, the number one person on the team, the number one spot, they're worried about someone taking it as well as how do they keep getting better. Um, I'm always fascinated to learn from a, a coach's perspective one of the activities or things that you do in the off season with your teams to keep them focused, how you keep them um, competitive during kind of that off season grind when the games are so far away that you can't quite see the the payoff yet. Right. Yeah. That's a really good question. I, um, and I, I tweak that a little bit, um, each spring. So the spring for us is our off season, our competitive seasons during the fall. Um, so, uh, I've done a a few different methods with that, but you're, you're absolutely right. It's hard. Like you get week for us, we get done in November and then we don't compete again. You know, we, we compete again, uh, in spring games, but we don't play meaningful games that count, uh, until the following August. So it's, that's nine months away, you know, eight or nine months away. And, um, so for us, we, we try to, um, break it down into phases with them. Um, so this year, for instance, I had, um, I, I focused on one skill at a time, uh, for four straight trainings and focused on really building that specific skill, um, so we worked on that, um, over a course of like 12 weeks. And then we also had a, a actual competition phase where everything had a winner and a loser. We were picking teams, there were rewards or consequences. Um, so we had little phases that were either focused on one technical or tactical aspect of the game that they knew, Hey, all right, guys, next four trainings, we're focused on this next four trainings were focused on this. So they could kind of lock into one block at a time rather than see this overwhelming picture like, oh God, we have seven weeks and then spring break and then another seven weeks. So we really tried to lock in on one specific area and focus on that. And I, the feedback we got was that the players really enjoyed that. I like that. I like that. Uh, break up to shorter mini goals in the process of, of pursuing the big one. Obviously, one of the things that you know, is is important as coach, as you mentioned, and reading people and getting to know people is the life beyond the game and and the impact that our coaches have on us. Uh, for many of us, if not all of us that have played sports competitively, we have a coach or coaches that have greatly impacted our lives that we're always going to look back on for lessons and, and things they've learned. What's been something rewarding for you in terms of teaching these individuals, these young women, how to compete that you've seen dividends and they've experienced the rewards of it away from the game, not even having to do with the sport of soccer at all? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. We've had, yeah, they, the, I've had players, um, this is funny on, on all ends of the spectrum. Like you really do have those ones that 
that get it in the moment, they're like, man, that was hard. It was awful. And then, yeah, you know, as you're going through something absolutely grueling, um, and then the second it's over, they're like totally, you know, they snap back to their selves and they, they get it that that was hard, but now it's over and I didn't die. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you have other ones that, you know, not everybody's the same. You have other ones that will not battle you on it. Like they're being disrespectful or disagreeing in any way, but they're just miserable, you know, as it's happening and they don't totally grasp like why everything has to be so hard. Um, and I've gotten, you know, years later, feedback from kids that all of a sudden they'll resurface after, you know, they graduated and you never saw them again. (laughs) And then, you know, years later they'll resurface and say, now I get it. Thank you. You know, and that, that's really cool. Um, I've gotten letters from kids and, you know, there's other ones that have to go through things at work. You know, they're in an office and a pretty cutthroat environment. They're applying for PA school or med school, and it's just they're getting knocked down over and over and over again, getting rejected over and over again. Um, and they, they'll come back and say, you know, no matter what their schedule was, when they finally get in, you know, they're on these 12-hour rotations, and they'll say, nothing was harder than that trail run we did or those hill sprints we did or that time you had us do this, this, and this, you know. And um, that's always really fun to see the alums kind of banter over that. And, <laughs> uh, you just know that you, you know that it helped them. That's awesome. I, uh, I love that. What's one of the things that you remember learning at a young age from sports? Like, what's one of the takeaways you look back now and you're like, man, I learned that so early on? Yeah, that's a really good question. Oh God, there's so many. It's hard to <laughs> it's hard to pick just one. Um, for us here, um, I, I try to influence our our athletes in this way. Um, my dad always told me, "You never know who's watching," um, and because you know, I would train by myself all the time, and um, just how you carry yourself. And and this this holds true for us. I go to a recruiting event. And I, I watch, I watch what they do on the field. I watch how they react when there's adversity. I watch how they react to a bad call. I watch how they interact with a struggling teammate. Uh, maybe they played a great ball and rolled under someone's foot. You know, did they roll their eyes or did they, you know, pat that person on the back and say, let's go, we're going to get the next one. Um, and that, that's just a small example, but we look at all of that. And then, you know, for our players, there's a lot of youth in this community that, that come out and they watch them play. And when you're competing at a high level, you know, things are going to happen that are frustrating. Things are going to happen that are great. And, you know, how you react to and either celebrate or overcome, you know, whatever's going on on the field everybody's watching, whether it's fans, young kids. Um, and that I think is a really difficult thing to kind of wrap your head around that. Hey, like I'm kind of under the microscope right now. Um, now for women's soccer, um, obviously we'd like to put a lot, a lot of people in the stands. It's not like we're, you know, huge football game or anything like that, but we're, there's still, you know, UVM especially is a, smaller community so everyone's looking at you do you remember going to your very first soccer game to watch yeah oh yeah i used to come to games here all the time (laughs) and i you know i went to um a a lot of games around the country around the world and i was just i was always watching always watching the players and and really a lot of sports too 
I uh, so. I love I love that fact that everyone's watching. It's interesting as we're recording this. You know, yesterday that the video of the baseball kids went viral, and I don't know if you if you saw it yet. But uh, for anyone listening, it was a, a playoff game, I believe, high school or or college playoff game. I think it had to be high school. Uh, and this kid struck out looking uh, for the final out. And the team's celebrating because they're going to the state championship. And the pitcher walks over and hugs the batter because they were childhood friends. Like, they grew up together. They were best friends. And he wanted to console his best friend during that moment before he went and celebrated. And, like, that one moment, you wouldn't think anything about it as the players. But that video has been seen by millions of people now. It's an incredible example of sportsmanship that, that we don't always get those moments because more often than not... The headlines are made when someone skips handshakes at the end of games and they're not talking to people or they've pulled some stunt on the court. Uh, and so it's it's always crucial that people are watching. I, I've been asking a handful of coaches. So we, we've had on this season a variety of coaches from different sports, from high school all the way through pro development. And I'm curious from your end as a, a college head coach, what is one thing that you wish athletes knew uh, about sports or competition before they got to you? That is such a, that's a, such a great question. I actually, um, I did a college panel a few weeks ago for a local club, just sort of Q and a trying to get them prepped for college. And actually a, a young man in the crowd asked that probably a, maybe a sophomore or junior, but he asked that same question. And, um, I, I, it's funny because I think things are turning a little bit with, with, you know, each, as each generation kind of evolves. Um, and we struggle really badly right now with the, this generation, this, you know, crop of youth coming up with just their attention span. Um, and I don't know if it's the technology, if it's that sort of thing, but, um, like we started, even collecting phones sometimes before a big game, just so they're locked in and they're focused. And so the whole, to answer your question, the mental aspect of the game is much more, not, I want to say important, but it's much greater, I think, than anyone can anticipate once they get here. Um, I think that they think if they're physically ready, that they're going to be just fine. But the mental part of the game is, is far greater and if you can master that, it's far greater than um, any sort of like ball mastery that you're going to have at this level. That's that's what I see really separating people. And sometimes people think mental toughness is, um, you know, getting pushed over and just popping right back up and shrugging off. Now, like I think that's more physical toughness than anything. Um, the mental toughness side comes in like the play that you mentioned with the baseball, having just having the not the foresight, but, you know, just that mental capacity to go console that kid afterwards. And I'm not saying that's mental toughness, but there's a lot going on there mentally to be able to be thinking all of that at once. Um, and so I, I think that's really the greatest challenge facing our, our youth right now. And, and to be honest, our current players. I, w I would agree in a lot of areas with that because, I mean, if, if you've ever read the book uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth, she talks about how grit and effort count twice as much as talent. And, and if we talk about the shorter our attention spans get, the more likely we're going to see things on social media, our attention and, and awareness of what success looks like or how quickly 
quote unquote overnight success really happens and people start to fall into that lie that they lose the motivation or the drive very quickly because they they don't understand how long it takes to get there. Exactly. You know, they talked uh, – I listened to a couple of college football writers talk about the, the five-star college quarterbacks over the last uh, few years, and I think they had nine or ten out of the last 15 transferred schools from where they signed because they weren't starting from day one. And – you know, 10, 15 years ago, it's unheard of to think of a freshman starting as a quarterback uh, outside of a rare case, much less, you know, sophomore, sometimes usually junior, senior. Um, but now these guys are expecting because they're seeing it in other areas that if they're not starting from day one, they're losing something. Um, and so I, I, I do see that and worry about that from all athletes standpoint of the attention and, and even from a focal point in the game. I'm curious because I, I think I already know where we stand on this, but obviously I'm a big opponent of participation trophies and soccer is a sport, if not the sport that you start at the youngest age, I feel like of playing club soccer and a lot of people go into other sports and soccer gives that incredible base of footwork and endurance and athleticism. I'm curious from your standpoint, how you see or encourage those youth coaches to teach some of that mental toughness or focus that, that you love to see as players are getting into your program or at what age do you think it should become a focal point? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think a lot of it uh, has to do with um, the level that they're at. I think certainly at like a recreational or travel level, you're going to have a lot of kids in that mix that are like, hey, it's all they can do to get out there and get some exercise. And that's what we're going for with them. Like just exercise, run after the ball, like try your hardest. Um, and then as you start to get into like working through the travel into the premier level where, okay, now parents are starting to make a lot more sacrifice in terms of finances, in terms of getting you to practice, however many times it is per week. Some, some teams are at, you know, three, four practices a week plus games on the weekend. So like for me, and I'm not saying, you know, what, what my parents did or what I did is like the gold standard, but it's just, you know, it's, it's just one example. Okay. We're heavily investing in this. Now, what are the players themselves investing? And I think I've talked to a lot of coaches about this. I think a lot of players rely on just what they're doing at practice during the week. Now, most tra most trainings are an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half. And if that's, you know, think about it, that's, that's, that's what you're doing every day. Um, that's not enough, you know, and I get that there's school and I get that there's this whole mentality around like kids and they got to be kids and they got to have a life and balance and absolutely 100% have balance. Um, but there's 24 hours in a day. Um, so to, a lot of the conversations I have with coaches are, is what are you providing for your players to do on their own without a coach, without a group of friends, they've got to be able to do it on their own. Um, and that's, to me, that's not hard. Um, if you have a ball and, uh, you know, a 10 by 10 grid of space, you, you can make it happen. Do you, have you found any great, uh, coaches in terms of, uh, posting content on YouTube or Instagram that put those drills out that someone listening to the show that has kids that want to start developing in that sport can say, Hey, here's a great example of an opportunity. Here's something that you can do every day. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I know there's the, the biggest one I can think of is, uh, 
uh, gentleman that goes by the name of Beast Mode Soccer. Um, he's got a huge following, and he, I know he works with a bunch of the national team players. Um, he's got a ton of content on there as far as footwork and, and drills uh, that people can do on their own, and that's just touches, repetition, repetition, repetition. And um, so to kind of get back to your question, I mean, that individual investment and repetition, I, I can't say enough about. And I think that, um, you know, there's so many specialists now there's a coach for everything. There's a strength coach, there's a nutrition coach, there's a, you know, there's, there's a conditioning coach and a weight coach. There's all these coaches for different things. Your soccer coach, your this coach, your life coach, your, your whatever. But, um, there's gotta be a responsibility on the player to, go watch those videos online. Now, every kid's got a cell phone and an Instagram and, you know, access to all this stuff. They've got to go watch it and then put the time in themselves. I love that. I love that. All right, coach, uh, for anyone listening to the show that wants to follow along, obviously season is not too far away, uh, and loves everything that you're about. Where can people connect with you on social media, follow along with the team? Yeah, um, so we are uh, our team. Twitter handle is UVMW Soccer. Um, same thing for Instagram, UVMW Soccer. Um, and then personally, my personal account, um, I, I'll probably have to change it, but it's at Christy Lefebvre for Twitter. Um, and then on Instagram, K Heisinger 4. Awesome. Awesome. And we will be connecting those to the show notes. If you were like me, my first question to Christy was, how do I pronounce your last name? Because I've <laughs> looked at it. And so we will absolutely link into the show notes, give her a follow and check out what they're going to do this season. I think they've got some high expectations for this group of competitors. Coach, thank you for joining the show today. Thanks so much, Jake, for having me. That was really fun. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Compete Every Day podcast. To learn more, visit CompeteEveryDay.com. To connect with Jake or contact the show, email us at podcast at CompeteEveryDay.com. And as always, keep competing every day to be better than you were yesterday.